Good morning, everybody. So my first order of business is going to be asking Tom which button I hit on this thing. This, the up arrow? The down arrow, okay. All right, now that I know how to change my slides. Uh, good morning, everybody. My name is Ian. Uh, if you were here a couple of weeks ago, uh, you might have seen me speak then. Uh, but I'm just really glad that you guys have joined us this morning as we continue our series on Matthew called Road Signs. Uh, so first and foremost, I just want to pray. So just join me in prayer. God, I thank you so much for your word. I thank you that it is alive and it never ceases to stop teaching us about who you are and who you want us to become through your son, Jesus. I pray that as your word goes forth today, uh, it would touch people's hearts, that uh, the Holy Spirit would do its work, and that people would come to realize that you are the Savior they need, and um, the greatest thing that they could have in their lives. Uh, thank you again, in Jesus' name, amen. All right, so um, I guess I wouldn't categorize myself as a thrill seeker. Uh, I'm not typically an adventurous type of person. Uh, the only thing I really enjoy uh, is cars, as far as like adrenaline rush type stuff. Other than that, um, I'm not into it. Skydiving, bungee jumping, you know, Tom stood up here and talked about how he went bungee jumping. That's great. <laughs> uh, that is not for me. Um, so, throughout my years, I, through having done youth ministry uh, and being in youth ministry, I have undertaken uh, certain courses and obstacles high ropes, low ropes, because for some reason all of these camps think that everybody wants to do that. So I did it. Uh, I didn't like it. Um, so one of the events that I did or obstacles that I did that really stood out to me uh, was called the Dangling Duo. Let's see if I can do this. Did I, did I do it? Got it. All right. Um, this is the dangling duo. So this was on a retreat, I want to say about 20 years ago. About 20 years ago. <laughs> um, and as you can see, it consists of a multitude of 10 foot long four by four beams. These beams uh, are spaced apart so that as you go up, the spacing increases. It becomes more challenging to reach the next one. It's called the Dangling Duo because it is a team exercise. It's a tandem ladder climb, and you have a partner that you're supposed to go up the ladder with. Uh, so we went up to this challenge. Uh, I watched other people before me do it. They did it amazingly fast, and I'm like, wow, okay. Maybe it's not that bad. I got up there. I think we made it to the second rung, and I was like, no, no, this is not going to happen. Uh, Unfortunately, I had a much more adventurous partner than myself, and he was very willing to do it. I was not willing to move. Uh, we stayed up there for, I think, the better part of two hours, maybe two hours plus, not moving. <laughs> and you know how, well, maybe not, but Christian retreats, we have all your people there trying to encourage you, go, go, go. Anybody that has done a CrossFit workout with me would also know that I hate being encouraged during uh, <laughs> challenges like this. So I'm just getting more frustrated the more people try to encourage me to do this thing. Uh, so 
ultimately, we, we came down. We didn't, we didn't do it. Uh, so what happened here was my concern for myself, for my self-preservation, outweighed my desire to achieve the goal, uh, even though there was somebody that was there trying to help me. A lot of times in life, period, uh, we have obstacles or distractions that cause us to lose focus on our goal. Today, we're going to talk through a story in Matthew where such a thing occurred. Now, what I want you guys to take away from this, come on, button. Bunch of walleyes. Of course. Bruce, next slide, please. <laughs> oh, it's because I fidgeted and turned it off. All right. Um, no, the, the, the other one, the yellow text. All right. So a life that desires Jesus first is a life that stands firm in the midst of the waves and chaos. Uh, if you take nothing else away, please remember this point. Okay. Nope, wrong way. Okay. So we're going to read Matthew 14, 22 through 33. Uh, immediately, he made the disciples get into the boat and go ahead of him to the other side while he sent the crowds away. <laughs> After he had sent the crowds away, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. And when it was evening, he was there alone. But the boat was already a long distance from the land, battered by the waves, for the wind was contrary. Um, oh, wrong way. There we go. And in the fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on the sea. When the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified and said, It is a ghost. And they cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them saying, Take courage. It is I. Do not be afraid. Peter said to him, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. And he said, Come. And Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came towards Jesus. But seeing the wind, he became frightened, and, began, and beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus stretched out his hand and took hold of him and said to him, You of little faith, why did you doubt? When they got into the boat, the wind stopped. And those who were, with, were in the boat worshipped him, saying, You are certainly God's son. Okay. So we had a lot going on there. Uh, for context, first and foremost, you saw that it said Jesus sent them ahead after, and he dismissed the crowds. This was immediately after Jesus had fed the 5,000. Uh, so the, right after, like the next thing they did was go out on this boat and had this experience. Uh, also note that Jesus sent them ahead. He knew exactly what he was doing. He wasn't like, oh, no. I totally forgot that I needed a boat to get across. He knew that he didn't need the boat. Uh, and most, you know, just a nice little aside to note here, uh, after Jesus had done this work, he took time to go and rest. Um, this has nothing to do with what I'm actually teaching on. It's just a good thing. Do it. <laughs> um, so the disciples are struggling in the conditions that they're in. And it says the wind was contrary, the waves were battering the boat. Uh, and then all of a sudden they see this figure walking towards them on the water and they think it's a ghost. Um, but Jesus says, it is I. They hear him before they can visually confirm that it's him. Uh, but knowledge of his voice allows Peter, 
to proceed to the next phase in the check. So I decided a visual representation of how this process of validating it was actually Jesus uh, would have gone, looked like. Okay. So first, you see ghostly figure walking on the water in a storm. Okay. Next, you trust the voice saying it's Jesus. And then you ask to be called out to verify. What? <laughs> so, yes, that next step is mind-blowing. Like, what, I would never in a million years think to the, the next thing would be, okay, hey, call me out onto the water so that I can come and be with you. But Peter does that. Uh, so I can't speculate too much about what the process of getting out of the boat was like for Peter. Uh, but it's at this point we reach his first obstacle in this whole journey. The boat. So before Peter can even get into the water, he first has to be willing to get out of the boat. Now, it's one thing to say, hey, Jesus, call me out, and, you know, so I know it's you. Uh, the next step was Jesus, or Peter had a decision to make. He had to then say, I believe that's Jesus, and I want to be where he is, so I'm going to get out of the boat. Uh, I love this scenario because no matter where you are in life, it's something that we can all relate to. Uh, there's this point where Jesus is calling out, saying, yes, come, it's me. And we have now the decision to make, do I trust that? Do I respond? Do I go out and be where Jesus is? Um, so this point right here is the most important point. This is the foundation of the rest of the teaching because if you're not past this point personally, the rest of my teaching isn't going to be something that you're even going to want. First and foremost, we have to acknowledge that we need to get out of the boat. Um, now, why did Peter get out of the boat? Because he desired to be with Jesus. Uh, we need to desire Jesus. And we only desire Jesus because we realize more than anything, he is what we need. And he is worth going and reaching for. Uh, now, I say this because the foundation of our whole belief is predicated on the idea that Jesus deserves everything. He is worthy. He is worthy of getting out of the boat for. And I don't want you guys to leave here without hearing that first no matter where you are, but most importantly, if you haven't decided to get out of the boat yet. We need Jesus. He is the only way to be reconciled with God. And he died and he rose so that we could make sure that we could be reunited with God. Uh, there was no other way for that to happen that didn't result in us paying the punishment. And the last thing you want is to hear the voice of Jesus calling out from the water and saying, no, thank you, Jesus. I'm okay right here in the boat. Because when that boat reaches its final destination, you're going to be there without Jesus. 
And that's not a place you want to be because it doesn't end well for anybody. So, the boat. Once we get past the boat, though, Peter is now encountering... It, it, oh, good, I can't see it back there. The waves, the water. So, this is really cool. Peter decides to accept the challenge of Jesus calling him out onto the water, and it's going great, and he's succeeding until Peter's desire changes. He, he notices the wind and the waves and the water. What happened? He took his eyes off of Jesus. In that moment, his desire changed from getting to Jesus to, I want to survive. I am the most important person in this scenario. So this right here, this moment, is the linchpin of our whole faith. Desiring to be with Jesus. We don't step out of the boat because we want to be a good person or because we want to go to church or because we want to get to heaven. We step out of the boat because we want to be with Jesus no matter where he is. So what really happened, we can't just examine this at a basic level and say, oh, well, Peter was scared and he just wanted to get out of the water. Once again, it goes back to the fact that internally, his focus shifted. His focus changed from Jesus to himself. So this uh, is reflected in Matthew 16. We're going ahead a little bit, but Matthew 16 says, For whoever wishes to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. So every time we feel that sinking, it can be attributed to this focus shift. So how do we stay afloat in this chaotic world? Uh, we constantly have things that are battling for our attention, and we, not all of them are bad. You know, there's nothing wrong with desiring to take care of your family or for being a good student, or even being an active member in this very community, uh, there are obviously other things that are a little bit more uh, egregious, such as allowing the, uh, the internet to be a distraction, uh, general sin, and even overscheduling yourself. Um, so no matter what category your obstacles and distractions fall under, they all share the common potential to cause you to desire Jesus less and them more. Um, so how do we get to the point where we desire those things less and desire Jesus over everything? Uh, so a couple years back, Tom taught this idea called Discipline Leads to Desire. And this has stuck with me personally. I already told Tom that I would be borrowing from his previous teaching uh, and, and teaching it again here. Uh, but what this is, is not saying that discipline will lead to you desiring Jesus. That's not it. The idea here is that we already 
have a desire for Jesus, this discipline that we enact will lead us to desire to do those things that please Jesus. Uh, so I don't want you guys to get confused here. We cannot manufacture love for Jesus. This, like I said, comes after we've already decided to get out of the boat. You need to get out of the boat first, and then everything you do after that is a result of deciding that you want to follow Jesus and be with Jesus. So for me in particular, this behavior was uh, to commit myself to getting up and spending time with God and praying uh, before I went to work in the morning. Some of you may have heard a couple months back, I got up here and I shared a little bit of my story, but uh, the, the short, short version of this is I was getting up really early to go into work because I was working overtime. And at one point I felt the conviction of the Holy Spirit saying, hey, if you can get up to do this for your employer, for the desire to make money, uh, why can't you do this for me? Why can't you do this for the God who created you, who loves you, who died for you? And I was like, you're right. You're right. And I honestly really didn't have the desire to wake up early and read and pray, but I did have the desire to love Jesus. And so I then started the discipline of setting my alarm, getting up early, and spending that time. Um, and it's worked. It's now to the point where it's what I want to do. And you know, my example is specific to me because God's going to call each of us differently and put different things on our hearts and different convictions because we're not all in the same place. And I don't want you to think that, oh, I have to do what Ian did because that's not how God works. God speaks to each of us personally and says, I know you and I know this is what you need and what you have to start doing to, to be with me. Uh, so the great method about it is it's scalable, and it can be used no matter where we are in our lives. So where do we start? Wrong way. <laughs> I'll get it. Yeah. So where do we start? I want to reiterate again. Get out of the boat. If you haven't gotten out of the boat, if you're not at the point where Jesus is what you desire and he's worth getting out of the boat for, do that. I really, really can't stress it enough. We need Jesus. Don't neglect that. But if you are at a point where you've gotten out of the boat and you now desire Jesus and you want to live a life that seeks after him, that is pleasing to him, uh, I've broken down what we can do into the handy categories that we hear a lot up here, uh, up, in, and out. Um, our up would be Bible reading and prayer. Our in would be community involvement. And our out would be evangelism. So first, up, Bible and prayer. These are just a couple of ideas, you know, because, like I said, this is scalable, and you choose what's best for you for where you're at. I don't want you guys to say, I'm going to commit to reading the whole Bible in a year, when realistically, that's not where you're at. Now, disclaimer, do not use that as an excuse to cop out. Because God deserves our best, first and foremost. So he deserves the best of whatever we are capable of doing. 
So with that in mind, don't just say, oh, I'm going to you know, read the verse of the day on the Bible app and that's it. But you, you're not doing it with the right heart. Our heart has to be in the right place to make sure that whatever actions we take in pursuing Jesus are genuine. So for Bible and prayer, you can read a devotional. Now, for some people who are more technologically inclined, like myself, uh, you can use the Bible app. They have devotionals on there. We have one going on within our community right now that's uh, helping us to all make sure we get some time in reading. Um, for those who are not so technologically inclined, or if you were to use a device, you would end up distracted. Uh, so that's not a good idea. Uh, you can just use a, a regular book. We have a devotional out there at our welcome table called Unshakable. And it's got 365 devotions so that you can go every day and make sure you're spending some time with God and his word. Uh, next is what I use personally. Uh, it's randombible.org. <laughs> uh, it's literally just a random verse generator. Uh, but the way I use it personally is uh, whatever verse it gives me, that's actually the next Bible book I'm going to read through. Uh, and I read a chapter every day. And then next, we have the uh, pray on your commute. Uh, wherever you're going, you know, I know a lot of people will say, oh, I don't have time to sit down and pray. But there is a period of time where you are constrained to an area with nothing else going on other than driving. And that's a perfect time for you to spend time just praying and talking to God and trying to hear what he has to say. Uh, I remember specifically Tom said that a trigger for him was when he would go to reach to turn on the radio. Uh, that would be his reminder to pray. Like, don't, don't touch the switch until I've prayed. Uh, so, it, you know, a lot of this behavior is best if there's a trigger involved that reminds you, oh, no, I need to do this. Like, mine is, I'm not allowed to, to look at anything else on technology or whatever until I've spent my time with God, God first. Uh, so where, whenever you're in a car, on a journey, on a bus to school, whatever it is, pray. Now, if you're driving, remember, don't close your eyes. <laughs> that is not a requirement for praying. Just FYI, like, your prayer isn't better just because you closed your eyes. So feel free to pray with your eyes open while you drive. All right. Next, in community involvement. So we have small groups that run here. Now we don't have small groups for this season, but we do have our new midweek series that's going to be starting up called Tracking. So try to get involved in something like that. It's a really, really easy way to start to engage with the people of the community. Um, it's typically very low challenge, uh, and it's just a good way to get to, to know people in the community and start to develop uh, the encouragement around you and the people who want to see you succeed in your walk with Jesus. Um, next, if you're ready for a little more, volunteer. And when I say volunteer, I mean in, in church, like in the ministries that we have here. Uh, there are lots of opportunities to serve. You're going to be hearing about a couple of them at the end of service. But start to invest time here volunteering. It's a huge way, again, to get to know people, but also to honor God in making sure that what happens here every week happens 
regularly and to the best of our abilities. Uh, we have a great group of volunteers now, but we could always use more. Uh, and this last one sounds easy, but for some people, it's a little more challenging. And because, that, once again, it goes back to that desiring Jesus thing. Uh, because of our desire for Jesus, we should commit to being here every Sunday. I understand sometimes life happens, but the, the regular pattern of our lives should be such that church is a priority. Being a part of the community is a priority, and understanding that the time of unified worship and teaching is important to God also. So a simple step in saying, Jesus, you are worthy, is saying you're also worthy of taking this spot on my calendar uh, because Jesus first. And finally, out evangelism. That sounds like a really lofty word, and it could be scary. Oh, man, I'm not an evangelist. I can't do it. It's not like that. All right? There are people, yes, that have the gift of evangelism, but we are all called, as you will hear much later at the end of this series, we are all called to go out and make disciples and preach the gospel and make sure people know who Jesus is. Uh, so this first op, uh, item here is commit to finding a person of peace. You may or may not have heard this phrase up here before, but a person of peace is somebody that God has placed in our lives that is receptive to hearing his word about hearing about him and who we tend to, to get along with, and there is a very obvious uh, work of the Holy Spirit there. Uh, so just commit to that. Commit to the idea of, like, God, put a person of peace in my life because I want to start to share your word with somebody. I want somebody to know who you are. Uh, this next one is to practice living unashamed. And this is kind of important for ultimately being able to find a person of peace but Romans 1.16 uh, says that, uh, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, because it is the power of God unto salvation for everyone, for the Jew first, then the Greek. It's for everybody. So practice living that way. Do not be ashamed of the gospel. Understand the gospel is the power of God to salvation, and we want people to know that salvation. And... What that looks like is simply saying the truth when asked a question like, hey, what did you do this weekend? I went to church. That's it. It's not hard, but it's honest. And it, it's not being ashamed of the fact that you love Jesus enough to be here. Uh, and for me personally, it's opened a lot of doors to conversations and my coworkers are starting to understand that, hey, yeah, Ian goes to church. And, you know, possibly doors will be open for them to end up here. So just be honest. Live unashamed. Don't be afraid to say Jesus. I mean, it sounds simple, but in this day and age, those are real uh, triggers for people. But in the pursuit of finding people of peace, you will ultimately see those words don't trigger everybody. And most importantly, it allows us to walk every day you know, 
in the peace knowing that we haven't denied Jesus and we haven't denied the fact that we love him enough to live out our Christian faith. Uh, and this last one is very simple. Be willing to talk to people. It's not saying we have to, <laughs> we have to go. I see David over here, like, really, this is, this is for him. Uh, <laughs> but be willing to talk to people. And I used to be a person that would go to work, and I hated talking to my coworkers. I would eat lunch by myself in my car every day, and I just didn't want to have anything to do with anybody. I wanted to go, do my time, leave. That was that. But ultimately, God started to put on my heart, like, no, these are the people I put around you. You need to talk to them. And so I said, okay, I'll, I'll talk to people, whatever. Um, but yeah, I've talked to people at work, and I've talked to people out in public. Uh, you know, recently, Tinika and I uh, had some friends that started coming here, and it's really because we were willing to talk to them. The whole story of how we met them is really crazy because they were at Chipotle sitting next to us. Uh, we had never met them before, and our son Mika started looking over there and being friendly, and we're like, what is he doing? Yeah. Oh, you know, you look over, oh, I'm sorry, sorry. Like, you know, you think you're bothering them, but they were like super into having, they had a two-year-old son, and they were super into them talking and being friendly. And so they started the chat with us, and we could have gotten up and said, hey, no, our time here, our time here is done. Sorry, guys, we got to go. But we talked to them. And through that, God has worked. Just be willing to talk to people. So, let's wrap it up. Most importantly out of this, guys, let's go back to the idea of a life that desires Jesus first is a life that is not shaken by the obstacles that we come up against. When we desire Jesus first, those distractions that would pull you away from spending time with him, from speaking about him, they'll be taken care of. You will be invigorated. You will have a confidence in your faith uh, that is only because of the Holy Spirit, because you are actively feeding that relationship, because you're actively listening to what God has to say. You are tuned in. And I know it's, it's hard because there are a lot of things that we have been taught by society that are important. You know, I'm part of the rat race of going to work every day and trying to provide for my family too. And God has blessed that immensely. And, you know, I like to think it's because I work hard, but I work hard knowing that I serve a great God. Uh, and I trust that that God will also provide for me no matter what. Uh, and there's the distractions of the internet and you know, we have kids that play sports and we have all sorts of things that aren't, on the surface aren't bad, but they're enough to pull us away. So I'm going to encourage you guys again, desire Jesus first because everything else will come under that authority. Jesus literally controls everything and the finances you're worried about or the scheduling conflicts you're worried about or being able to be a good parent or being able to 
have a relationship with people uh, or have people like you or whatever it is will fall under that authority. Peter didn't have to do anything when he was walking on the water. He wasn't actively doing something to make sure every step he took planted him on that water. All he did was desire to get to Jesus. And so desire to get to Jesus because when we take our focus away from that desire, that's when the sinking occurs. So I'm going to pray and the band's going to come back up. Jesus, help us to desire you first because ultimately you are the only thing that matters. Uh, You died for us. You are worthy of every breath we take. You are worthy of every moment that we exist. Uh, So let us come under that authority. Let us submit to that. Uh, God, and I pray that for myself because I have not arrived and I want to to be able to stand before you and have pleased you with my life. Uh, So God, just I pray that as we go forth into the week this, this, uh, this week that we would just take to heart some of these ideas that we can go out and desire you first, that we could end up overcoming the obstacles that seem really scary, but that ultimately you've already taken care of. Uh, So God, thank you for your word once again. And I just pray this all in your name. Amen.